Welcome in, everybody, to the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. If this is your guys' first time listening to the channel, welcome, or excuse me, to the podcast. This podcast is free and available on all major podcast recording platforms with podcasts coming out four to five days a week. Today's podcast is going to be significantly different than what I normally do here on the on the show. I typically have a breakdown, uh, usually a standard uh scheme or a schedule on here where I do an around the world segment. I talk some Mariners, I talk some Seahawks, I talk some Kraken. Today is going to be specifically, I'm going to talk about the Mariners for a few minutes today. It's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. I usually run about 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, There is a ton of conversation happening right now in the Seattle sports landscape about off-season free agency targets, all that stuff. So with that being said, um, I'm going to jump straight into it. If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy the topics and conversation, if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a rating. So the information was brought out last night. I have yet to get into the Jerry, the Jerry uh, show with Brock and Salk today. Um, they have confirmed they were not offering a qualifying offer to Mitch Hanniger here um, in, the, uh, in the beginning talks of offseason in the hot stove. A lot of people are 50-50 on this. They either are confused as to why they're not offering him or they're like, thank you for not offering them. So I'm going to kind of give an explanation as to why both sides aren't wrong. You know, what what the, the validation is between both sides here. So Mitch Hanniger's qualifying offer, for those who do not know, for the Seattle Mariners was one year, $20 million. And uh, quite frankly, as we all know, if you for those who are Mariners fans, you would probably see from his production last year, Mitch Hanniger is not a $20 million player. When he's healthy and he was coming off his prime peak year as he was in 2021, you could have that conversation. That's a realistic conversation to have. He had over 30 home runs. He had over 100 RBIs. He was OPSing over over 900. He had a really, really good good year, I believe. And stats-wise, it was his best year in his career. Unfortunately, last year, um, he got hurt pretty bad with a high ankle sprain. It was pretty much like a hairline fracture in that ankle was how high up it went. But uh, it took him, you know, 90-plus games to, to get back. When he came back, he hit really well for the first two weeks. Had a nice couple, of like, like a seven or eight game hitting uh, hitting streak in there. Things are moving pretty good for Mitchell. But unfortunately, uh, he just lost his way. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Mitch Hanniger was awful at the end of September, October. Um, it was bad. And the end of August, too, really is when it started. But Mitch Hanniger did not play standard Mitch Hanniger-like baseball. Um, obviously, his defensive metrics have been going down every single season. Mitch Hanniger is a stalwart and a leader in that locker room and that clubhouse. So I totally understand with the dynamic and the thought process behind, you know, it's he's too valuable just to let walk out the door. Here's a little bit of the intricacies from the other side here, right? If I'm being Jerry, if I'm being Justin Hollander, if I'm being uh, anybody else, Katie Griggs. I know Katie's on the business side of things. It's pretty much Jerry and Justin kind of conversation here. But at the end of the day, it's pretty simple what the Mariners saw here. If you offer Mitch Hanniger a qualifying offer, you're putting essentially an anchor around his neck, for bare lack of, of an analogy. Um, because if you offer him the qualifying offer and he does not accept that offer, any team that signs him is requiring to give up some form of a, compens- of a compensation pick uh, for his uh, for the deal, for the signing, right? And a lot of teams are looking at Mitch Hanniger saying, is it worth, you know, 15, 20 million dollars per year on AAV average for a salary plus the draft pick? Most teams are some, you know, it depends upon the, obviously the, the situation and the circumstance and what teams need if they're a, 
you know, a DH slash corner outfielder away from getting into that. That's that's definitely a conversation that, that you can have. But most teams are going to look at this and say, Mitch Hanniger has been good one year, hurt the other. Good one year, hurt the other. And are you willing to roll the dice? Nobody knows Mitch Hanniger better than, obviously, the Seattle Mariners. He's been in our, in our organization for, for four years now. Um, he's a quality player. He's a great leader. He is one of the most un- unrelenting, relentless workers in the offseason. I follow him on IG along with other players on the Mariners roster. Just kind of see what he does to keep himself prepared in the offseason. Rock climbing, um, intricate body lifting, not like super, you know, sumo lifting, not heavy weights. He's using a lot of like resistant bands, stuff like that, which I'm a big fan of myself. But it's uh, the conversation around Mitch Hanniger is not going to change for any time being until we get some more intricate details or stuff gets leaked, which obviously we are in the GM meetings now. Um, and this information is coming out pretty much every hour. I'm getting new information. Um, you know, uh, Jerry confirmed that, uh, Winker did have his surgery a couple, just a quick, couple quick updates when we're talking about players in the off season here, Winker had his neck and, uh, back surgeries. Both are done. Um, he is on, he cannot swing a bat until January is what I'm understanding. Um, I'll be doing some more research on that when I get more details. A lot of stuff I get is from Twitter, from like Ryan Divish, from Shannon Dreyer. And uh, obviously, if it comes from, from Divish, it's pretty much locked in because he's not going to re- uh, report something that isn't true. So I want to get the Mitch Hanger conversation to start off there as like the main headliner. Number two, um, there are some talks about a Japanese pitcher. Uh, he, I'm going to see if I can quickly pull up on my phone for you guys because like, like I said, I'm not. I don't usually, you know, come into this for you guys unprepared as far as names and stuff like that goes. But um, it looks like I'm not really finding it very quickly. So I'm not going to hop into it real real quick uh, to look up the name. But what I can tell you guys is that this guy is by far, there's two Japanese uh, players coming in. They're going to be eligible for uh, international slot money or however that signing stuff goes. I'm not fluent on that kind of information and details. That's a little bit out, out of my league. But what I can tell you is that both these guys are very quality players. One of them had a 10.3, or the pitcher had 10.3 strikeouts per nine. Um, it's pretty much like a three-pitch guy. He's got a fastball that can that can touch over 100 miles an hour, which obviously is going to draw a lot of interest. He is 30 years old already, which is something to note. Um, very similar to like Hisashi Iwakuma, Daisuke Matsuzaka, stuff like that. Um, so a couple of names, uh, Regen Ryu. Um, all names that kind of came over a little bit later in their careers and still did for fairly well. So I'll be curious to see what happens with him. Uh, fastball, forkball, slider is going to be the main pitch mix for him in general. So I'll be curious to see what happens with that. And then there's a batter uh, who was the batting champion for the Japanese ba- for the Japanese baseball league. Um, over 330 batting average. I, th- I believe he's a left-handed bat. Like I said, I usually do a little bit more research for you guys, but today I'm kind of just going a little bit off the cuff, kind of just giving you my initial, my initial reactions, stuff I've been seeing from Twitter because my Twitter has been blowing the hell up the last three days. And I love it because there is not a better time in all the sports to me than MLB offseason. Because when the hot stove and the kindling gets thrown inside the fire and the, you know, and the wood starts cracking, it's great. It's great. I know I'm a country boy. I like little things like, you know, wood fires and marshmallows on a stick and all kinds of weird stuff. But anyways, um, this is going to be a very interesting offseason for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, there's been a trade proposal, uh, two of them that I'm going to dive into here real quick. I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, one of my new sponsors that's sponsoring the podcast. 
Bloke's Barbershop um, in Silverdale does quite very quality, clean cut, very professional, detail orientated, um, great uh, shave options, stuff like that. So giving a shout out to my guy, uh, Blokes, B-L-O-K-E-S in Silverdale, uh, just right next to your local Safeway. Just want to give a little bit of shout out and love there for you guys. Um, so I was talking to just a, a moment ago, I talked about a couple trade proposals that have been leaked around. Both of it have gone between the Mariners and the Blue Jays, interesting enough. Uh, two completely different trade packages, but I'm going to talk and break into both of them, kind of how they, uh, you know, well, will they help the Seattle Mariners more? Do they take away in certain areas? What's the need? What's the fit? Um, the first trade was Chris Flexen and Penn Murphy for uh, Santiago Espinal and a right-handed uh, prospect pitcher. I believe he was like 22, 23 overall in the overall prospect rankings for Toronto. So he's a fringe top 30, just a barely above fringe top 30 prospect. Um, Espinal, obviously a right, a right, right-handed bat, um, provides a little bit of versatility, pretty much brings you the same thing that, that Adam Frazier did for us last year. Um, second base, third base, can play a shortstop at a pinch if you need to. Maybe play a little bit of first base. So he's an interesting player. Um, he's got a pretty decent track record. Uh, he's a career like almost 270 hitter. He hit like 256 last season, I do believe. A lot of the stats I'm pulling, I want to give a shout out to my boys on Locked On Mariners. Uh, Tiding Gonzalez, Colby Pat, no, I'd appreciate you. Thank you for the for, for the info and stats. Sometimes I don't have this all the uh, subscriptions uh, that they do to get the inside information. So I want to give them a little bit of love there for a minute. So... Well, but with that being said, Espinal essentially is going to provide you a same utility off the, the the bench bat. The main problem I have with Espinal is his lack of power. We need, you know, the big uh, the big conversation that they talked about in the offseason at the um at, at the press conference was specifically about bringing in bringing in addition by power in the middle of the infield between J.P. Crawford and Adam Frazier. I think we had like. 11 home runs this year jp crawford i believe had six if i remember six or seven home runs adam frazier had like four or five so it's like you're talking like 11 12 home runs 13 tops i'd be shocked if he was even 13 anyways um the conversation about the middle of the infield is going to be a huge topic of conversation obviously as we go through the hot stove in the offseason jp crawford and the conversation from jerry they're not letting off of that apparently jerry did make another comment recently about J.P. Crawford wanting to be a shortstop and finding a shortstop that could play second base. I'm going to be frank with you guys. I still think this is very poor how they're handling this. I know that there are a lot of people are saying, well, they're probably handling this the right way. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think it's poor optics for the free agency in general. For Xander Bogarts, that's probably one of the more real realistic players, or Dansby Swanson uh, to come into this or to be able to come into our organization excuse me, and be able to play second base, not throw a hissy fit, not, you know, be down or be disappointed and have expectations or stuff like that. And, you know, this organization is being crystal clear. They love J.P. Crawford and I don't blame him. J.P. Crawford is a decent player. He has a good glove. He had a down year last year in every metric possible offense, defense, everything was down for him. And in general, average was down. Everything was down, right? But it's just, I just don't, I can't put my finger on quite the reason as to why Jerry is so gung-ho for keeping J.P. Crawford at shortstop. He's not that good, Jerry. He's not. He doesn't hit the ball very well. We need power. You look at, like, look at Jeremy Pena, just for an example, to, to J.P. Crawford. It's like, do you want to buy, like, a 1986 Honda Accord that's going to get you 35 miles a gallon? Probably will break down about, you know, 
seven to eight times a year. It's going to be a cheap, easy thing to fix, but it's going to stay, stay around there. Or do you want to go out and get like, you know, a 2017 uh, Honda Accord that gets better gas mileage, more efficient, more features, more options. That's the difference between J JP Crawford or somebody like Dansby Swanson or Xander Bogarts. I'm um, looking at uh, the war numbers right now on, on my phone. Xander Bogarts was number three in all of the uh, upcoming free agent shortstops. It was Trey Turner. And then, uh, oh man, I'm drawing a blank right now. Anyways, the conversation between J about JP Crawford, shortstop, middle infield is getting muddied up. And I just don't, I don't think it's very becoming of the organization to keep hitching their wagon to, to J.P. Crawford. Yes, he's a huge part of this locker room. Yes, he, he is a fan favorite. Yes, he's, you know, one of the guys that helped create this culture to what it is today. I'm not just... Kyle Seeger said it flat out. At some point in time, it has to be about winning. And I've, you know, I've said what I have to say about Kyle Seeger. I got no problem with the man personally. He was disappointing. He never lived up to, to, to his contract. I'll I'll argue that till the very end of my last breath, right? But that's not the point of this of this conversation. The point of this conversation is that the Seattle Mariners need to go out and address power and be able to hit the ball for contact above average to league average at bare minimum in our infield. And J.P. Crawford is not going to offer you that option. That is a flat out fact. So there's that. So I'm going to hop back into the Trey Con conversations I've been talk, talking to you about guys today. Again, if you guys like this free-flowing uh, podcast versus the normal structure, let, let me know. I'm just kind of giving it a couple different formats, kind of see what, what you guys think. Um, on Twitter, you can find me, capital P and W Professor. Uh, this podcast also is on Twitter at Westside Sports Pod 7. Um, don't ask why I had to put 7 in there. It wouldn't let me put in Westside Sports Pod. So somebody else beat me to it. Um, but anyways, the other conversation, and this is the one that I get really excited about because this player would make our lineup instantly deeper, instantly better. And we wouldn't have to be tripping about resigning Mitch Hanniger. Teoscar Hernandez is in the last year he's on an ARP contract. So he's we get him, he's essentially a one-year rental, right? And the the deal was Chris Flexen. Oh man, I think it was Chris Flexen and somebody else. I can't remember exactly who it was off the top of my head. It was Chris Flexen and one other player for uh Teoscar Hernandez pretty much straight across. Um and the reason why some people are gonna ask, why are you talking about Chris Flexen a lot? Chris Flexen is being actively talked about with multiple teams. He was actively seeked out at the trade deadline by multiple playoff teams. He is very, very interesting for many teams. Um, the club option, it was not a club option. I was wrong on that. Um, Fangraphs uh, mis, uh, mislabeled or misreported uh, that. Chris Flexen, when he hit the, I believe it was uh, 300 innings mark between the last two seasons, he had 150 in, uh, per, per last uh, the last two, two years, right? Chris Flexen has a three after he locks in. He has three more years of club control. It's a very team friendly deal for a starting pitcher that is of above average quality, right? Chris Flexen would be a very serviceable five for many teams. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Dodgers, if they can't keep their hands on Tyler Anderson after he had, he had a good year for them. Would be an option there. I know the Mets were interested. I know the Yankees were interested. I know that the Braves had called also as well. So Chris Flexen, I can guarantee you, will be traded at some point this this season. Um, some people have asked, you know, what's the future for Marco Gonzalez hold? I honestly don't know. I really don't. Um, I love Marco Gonzalez. I love the bulldog mentality. I love everything that he brings to our locker room as a leader and a stalwart and all that good jazz. But 
that's going to be a very, very different conversation than having the conversation about Chris Flexen versus Marco Gonzalez. So I'll be doing that in an upcoming show. But uh, some people have been asking me about that. I want to address that real quick. Um, but the conversation about Teoscar Hernandez for, for the Mariners, what to me would be almost a dream, like a perfect glove fit, hand uh, glove in hand, like perfect fit. He would bring a left-handed smashing presence to our. Uh, he hits. He smashes left-handed pitching. He's one of the best left-handed right. He's been the. Excuse me. He is one of the best right-handed batters that hits the best against left-handed pitching in all of baseball. Um, I sometimes I get my tongue tripped up a little bit for you guys, but the conversation about this is really interesting. Toronto desperately needs pitching. Um, uh, there's been calls that they've been talking to the Rays about pitching. They've been talking to the Mariners about pitching. Uh, Zach Plesak of the Guardians has been a name brought up heavily lately. So this is going to be something I'm going to monitor as obviously the host, the host of continues and goes on. Um, actually, as we speak, I'm just going to do a quick update for you guys. See if I can find anything on my Twitter feed for you guys. See if there's anything I'm missing. Uh, see here. Do, 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 do. I don't see much of anything right now. I'll be uh, we do have some interesting game time dates for spring training just got announced here with the last hour from Mariners PR. There'll be 14 day games, two night games. Uh, the calendar will, I am retweeting that on my handle as well. Left-handed pitcher James Paxson has exercised his $4 million option to return to the Boston Red Sox. And uh, re uh, pitcher, real quick, for those of you who do not know, uh, Prelander Baroa was a trade uh, pitcher we, uh, uh, we received back from the San Francisco Giants as part of the Mike Ford trade. Um, Prelander Baroa is going to be added to the 40-man roster to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. I will be covering the ins and outs of what the Rule 5 draft is, how it works, how it's important for baseball, why, uh, you know, kind of what's the implications behind this in upcoming shows and podcasts, but I'll get that for you guys coming up here sooner than later. Uh, but a name to watch though with, with Prelander Baroa, reason why I'm bringing him up as a random name for those of you who don't follow the, uh, the farm and the uh, overall prospect updates. This guy has was absolutely dynamite for our uh, minor league system this year. He was the pitcher of the year uh, for for lower class A levels. Obviously, Taylor Dollard uh, won that for the higher levels this year after winning 16 games for Double A or uh, Arkansas. So, congrats to all of them. But uh, Baroa pitched 65 innings and had 97 strikeouts. The dude was absolutely lights out stuff. He's got some really Johnny Cueto-esque kind of movement on his pitches. He's got a lot of power, throws over close to 100 miles an hour. So that's a name that you can guarantee Jerry did say in yesterday's little mini, uh, you know, I won't call it a conference, but a little mini address, you know, to uh, some of the media reporters there at the uh, trade or at the GM meeting. So with that being said, you guys, uh, that's just a couple of quick updates for you guys today. Um, once I get more information, I'll be doing these more and more often uh, as we get throughout uh, the hot stuff season and the off season in general. If you guys enjoyed the podcast today, uh, again, I don't normally do just freelancing. I usually have a more strict schedule breakdown and overall theme for the shows on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. But uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this new podcast, this new feel. Let me know what you think, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace.